the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven will be as when a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents, also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I do not, did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave... Throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. God of all that we have and all that we are, give us the wisdom, strength, and perspective to invest in you for our own sake and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Week after week lately, I find myself reading the parables in Matthew and then, with a deep sigh, saying something like, Really, Jesus? This was your way of teaching? Making cash investments look like a spiritual practice while frugality will get us thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth? 
Now, I know that parables tend to be both provocative and full of layered meaning. So I spent some time this week thinking about the layers of meaning in the parable of the talents. There is, of course, a layer that helps us look at how we use money. But since the parable is about so much more than money, I decided not to talk about money today. There is the layer of the parable that encourages us to invest and share and grow our gifts and talents. The talents that were entrusted to the slaves in the parable represent a very large amount of money. Each talent was the equivalent of 20 years of income for a laborer. So that first slave was given 100 years of income. Our modern use of the word talent means something we are good at, which suggests that that which we offer is exponentially more valuable than our money. I've always liked this layer of meaning. So I thought that today I might talk about the importance of offering not just our treasure to the work of God, but also our talent, ourself. Also on my mind when I read the parable of the talents is the way in which we are given glimpses of the kingdom of God and we are expected to share those glimpses, thus expanding God's love on earth. There is a very cheesy short film from 1980 called The Music Box. The Music Box tells the story of a very sad city. And in the sad city is a sad family. And in the sad family is a sad man who works in a sad factory with sad co-workers. On his walk home from the sad factory one day, he enters an alley that mysteriously fills with light and music. And then five angels appear and they begin to sing and dance. These angels are played by the gospel group the sensational nightingales, and they are sensational in a very 1980 kind of way. Through them, the man catches a glimpse of the kingdom of God, and he is transformed. The angels disappear, but they leave behind a music box. And when the man opens it, the music he has just been transformed by pours out. Over the next few days, he is addicted to this music box, and he goes to great lengths to listen to it privately while hiding it from everyone else. Until the sensational nightingales show up in the middle of the night in his bedroom. They tell him that he wasn't supposed to hoard his gift. He tries to shush them as their dance music cues. But a minute later, they are singing and dancing in his tiny bedroom and bathroom, and his wife and son wake up in shock. But they love what they hear, which empowers the man to start to spread the joy. He plays the music box on the subway and at work and out the window of his high-rise apartment building, And in the joyful final scene, he stands on the rooftop with the open music box in one of his two outstretched hands, standing above the whole city, sharing it with the whole city, 
which is therefore transformed. And we leave that movie with the sense that the kingdom of God is afoot. I think today's parable has a lot to do with our job as spreaders of the joy of God's kingdom and not hoarders of that joy. Sometimes we are given a small glimpse of the kingdom and sometimes a bigger glimpse. But whatever we see of it, we are meant to share it so it can expand across creation. Sometimes life is so painful and sad that we need someone else to open the music box so that we can glimpse the kingdom through their action. We know that the kingdom is there, and I think community is about taking turns, seeing it, and sharing it. So I want to talk more about the kingdom and about sharing ourselves through our gifts and talents. But I don't want to talk about money. Because, as I said, this parable is about so much more than money. And money can distract us from the deeper meaning. And, as a frugal Swamp Yankee New Englander, I'm not really into mixing money and spirituality beyond trying to make a prayerful decision about my own pledge to my church. Speaking of which, we are at the end of stewardship season. (laughs) And for those of us who have signed and sealed our pledge envelopes and delivered them, and maybe for all of us, maybe we feel like we're done talking about money. So I wasn't going to talk about money today. And then on Friday, I went to a conference offered by the church pension fund. And the conference was, of course, about money. One of our conference facilitators shared her own story about how her theology around money has changed. For most of her life, she entrusted much to God's care, her children, her marriage, her spirituality, but not her money. With money, she lived in fear and anxiety, and she believed that she had to carry the weight of that fear and anxiety all by herself. When it came to her relationship with money, she said, she was in a self-created outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then one day she realized that she wanted to ask God to help her carry that fear and anxiety. She approached her husband and told him that she wanted them to include God in their financial lives And she thought a good way to do that would be to work towards a tithe. In other words, she wanted to give away the first 10% of all they made. Her husband responded by saying, this sounds really important. Maybe we shouldn't work towards a tithe. Maybe we should actually start tithing. And after a short bout of panic, they did which was a radically counterintuitive move, a countercultural move, a move that not many people do anymore. And it was also a very powerful move in their personal lives and in the world. Besides tithing, they cut back on spending, paid off their debts, and started saving for retirement. They now sit down on a bi-monthly basis and look at their finances And make sure that they are using their money in a way that reflects their faith and leads to shared abundance 
and not waste. She told us that none of this was easy, but over time she started to see her relationship towards money, her relationship towards fear and anxiety, and her relationship with God all change. Listening to her story, I had a sense that those changes made her even more of an instrument of the kingdom of God than she had been before. Not because she suddenly had great wealth and comfort, because she didn't, but because she was now maximizing the positive impact that resources in her care had in the world. Which brings me back to our parable of the three slaves. The two who invested their master's money wisely maximized the positive impact those resources could have. The other buried his resources and, in effect, made them useless. He was scared of a master who he believed to be harsh and unjust. He was full of fear with so much money in his hands, so he buried it. And according to rabbinical law, if a person buried treasure, that person was released from the responsibility of that treasure. His fear left him empty-handed, and his anxiety and belief in a cruel master led to a place of darkness, while the other two entered into partnership with the master. For each of the three, that which they believed came to fruition. Faith in the goodness of the master led to abundance, also known as the kingdom of God. Anxious belief in a wrathful God led to outer darkness, the opposite of the kingdom. So I think I do want to talk today about money. Because money is part of the holistic picture of what we have been entrusted with and what we have at our disposal with which to help create goodness in the world. We don't have to have a lot of money to think of money as something we have at our disposal. Whether we have a little or a lot, money is one of the resources we can use to bring about the kingdom of God in the world or not. Part of how we choose to use our resources has to do with how we see the kingdom of God, who we perceive God to be, and how we respond to that God. Another part of how we use what we have has to do with our abilities. In the parable, the master gave to each according to each one's ability. And we all have some ability to be instruments of God's kingdom. Our faith in action has a lot to do with owning our ability to be part of God's story. Response to God plus ability to share God. I like that the words response and ability smush together equal response ability. When we neglect that responsibility... We, in effect, bury our treasure, and nothing else that we say we believe has any power 
But if we respond to God by offering all that we are and all that we have, we can change our lives and we can change the world. And that change is the coming of God's kingdom. Amen.